The Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. They cleared the AFC's gauntlet with the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Ravens in a manner that should keep anyone from ever doubting Patrick Mahomes. Again, let's talk about that and a lot more right now on 10 Things. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 10 Things. Chiefs are going to take on the San Francisco 49ers, a rematch of the Super Bowl just a few years ago, and help me break that down. And, well, let's break down the win over the Ravens. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got a couple weeks for that. Appreciate everybody. Uh, for spending part of your day with us here on 10 Things. Either watching the video on YouTube or listening to the audio, and we are joined by Mr. Craig Stout down here in Texas to help break this one down on 10 Things. Your first appearance on 10 Things. My first appearance here, and what a better time than after the Chiefs win yet another Lamar Hunt trophy. I mean, I'm very glad that they addressed their trophy case, you know, a few years ago. Uh, As it turns out, that was very prescient of Clark Hunt and the organization to hey, maybe we're going to draft this Patrick Mahomes guy. We're going to need to stock this up here in the near future. And they've done that so far. Yeah, they were they were prepared for success. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it has been pretty special to watch. And again, we are going to break down the 10 things that stood out from the Chiefs win over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship. Before that, we do need to thank the presenting sponsor of this show in Mission Taco Joint. You go to Mission Taco, get some tacos on Tuesday and just mention KCSN. And you get 10% off your order at any of the Kansas City area locations, which are in South Plaza, Crossroads, and the new one out there in Park Place, Leewood Town Center area. We've been there multiple times. They also help us with the KCSN Foundation, our feet it forward. So we appreciate them. If you're listening to this and your tacos sound good, go over to Mission Taco. You won't be disappointed. And we were not disappointed with the result of the game against the Baltimore Ravens. And I know you want to talk defense, but we're going to start with offense because it's okay. the way this is laid out. Okay. And for anybody listening... I'm excited to do the show with you just because I want to see how it goes back and forth because there's just a lot of information uh, for people that have tuned into this. And so let's you, get this thing started. You know I love stats. Yeah. No, I, I do this. That's my post game stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Pro Football Focus, Next Gen Stats, the Chiefs Communication Notes, all the places that we get these notes. Just a packet for you right at the beginning of the week to have you uh, out there listening, have all kinds of ammo to talk with your friends about. So, all right. First one, Chiefs reaching back-to-back Super Bowls after beating the Ravens 17-10 in Baltimore to capture the Lamar Hunt Trophy once again. The Chiefs will now have six Super Bowl appearances in franchise history, which is the sixth most Super Bowl appearances by a franchise in NFL history. They trail the San Francisco 49ers, who have seven, maybe eight now. Uh, this has been updated. Dallas, Denver, Pittsburgh, and New England, who has 11. A total of 12 different teams have combined to make 23 back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, with the Chiefs accomplishing that feat in 2019 and 2020, as well as now in 2022 and 2023. Only seven other teams have reached back-to-back Super Bowls multiple times. Three teams, Buffalo, Dallas, New England, had three consecutive back-to-back appearances. A lot to say, this little stretch that we've talked about being the golden age of Chiefs football, contextualized in a way that now puts them on the map in talking about most successful teams in NFL history and organizations at getting to the big game. Uh, this is one of the things that you and I had talked about, you know, after the game, sitting around here, kind of taking it all in. It is wild to think about how recently it was, you know, in both of our fandoms of the Kansas City Chiefs, that we were kind of looking down rather than up at this list, saying, oh, man, yeah, Chiefs had 
you know, a couple Super Bowl appearances. Maybe they'll never get back there in our lifetimes. At least we're not the Lions level of thing. I mean, you know, sorry, Lions fans, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is. And unfortunately, the way that it still is for you. But we were looking at this list very, very recently saying, I can't believe all the success that all these other teams have had. And now they're sitting at sixth all time. Like just in this little mini run here has just kind of elevated them into that upper echelon. Obviously, they've got some teams to catch here, but it's insane to think about how quickly that happened. And I'm going to try to articulate this, and you tell me if this is if this is brutal. It didn't click to me until you just started mentioning um, just this whole run and that you and I met mm-hmm. creating content mm-hmm. back at Arrowhead Pride back in the day covering Scott Pioli and the Kansas City Chiefs. And over the last few days... We've been around and like chatting with Scott Pioli and helping him out with the CBS hits and making jokes about it. It is so crazy that we go from like these outsiders just writing about this team, talking about this guy that had come from, you know, New England and all the success that they had and all the double cover and all this hope and the way that the team has completely turned it around and the way that like going from outside bloggers to all of a sudden Pioli's be like, hey guys, can you help me get some stuff in here? And he's so nice. It's so cool. It's a conversation for another time it is um, but it love getting a chance to run into him at this event but second third year in a row absolutely we had a chance to talk to him and now he knows us pretty well I and know. it's just it's a fun just cool kind of like full circle moment for all of us in so many different ways for the team for us covering the team for people like it's just cool if i would have told myself you know 13 14 years ago it's like hey by the way uh you and Scott Pioli are going to be on a first-name basis, like, and conversing about your jobs, your shared jobs. No. No, definitely not. No chance in hell that that's ever going to happen. But, yeah, how far we've come from since then. I mean, it's it's wild to think about how quickly that come-up has happened. Yeah, we've said it before that Clark Hunt hopping on that plane and cutting off Andy Reid from getting to the— airport and then getting out of the hangar and into the jet to take him to Arizona and San Diego to interview for those jobs and for Clark to fly to the hangar and say, we'll interview right here. Mm -hmm. Three hours becomes eight hours becomes Tammy telling the limo driver, you know what? You don't have to take us out to the plane. We're not going anywhere. Uh, It was the biggest clutch moment in Kansas City sports history. Absolutely. Obviously bringing Patrick Mahomes helps, but it started with Andy. Let's make no mistake. This thing started with Andy Reid coming to Kansas City. All right, let's Move on. That's a good solid number one. They don't normally last that long, Craig, just so you know. Okay. But, uh, the second one is going to last longer than that because it's the Patrick Mahomes <laughs> section of this show. He just keeps making postseason history. Mahomes connected with seven different receivers for 30 completions, 241 yards, and one touchdown pass. Started hot, completing his first 11 pass attempts, the most consecutive pass attempts completed to start a game in Chiefs playoff history. His performance earned him his 12th career postseason game with a hundred or better passer rating tying him with pro football hall of fame quarterback joe montana for the second most in nfl history i like reading these to you because you've not done this before this is this is best part of this 241 with the 241 yards mahomes claimed the second most passing yards in a champion in championship games in nfl history with 1756 yards in his six conference championship games with just six conference championship game appearances he bested Joe Montana's 1,731 yards in seven conference championship games. So all that's to say he passed Joe Montana in a postseason career mark in conference championship. Unbelievable. To finish that off, this was Mahomes' sixth consecutive conference championship game, breaking his tie with Pro Football Hall of Fame 
Quarterback Kenny Stabler for the second most consecutive conference championship game appearances by a quarterback in the Super Bowl era. He now only trails, not a huge surprise, Tom Brady, who had eight straight conference championship game appearances, but it also marked Mahomes' 14th postseason win in games he started, tying him for the third most quarterback postseason wins as a starter in NFL history. He is now tied with Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterbacks Terry Bradshaw, John Elway, and Peyton Manning. Not bad for the seventh best quarterback this postseason, right? Oh my God, that all the graphics <laughs> and Jason McIntyre's never going to let it down. I mean, deservedly so. It's a two horse race. He's six years into his starting career, and it's a two horse race for all these postseason records. It is. I, I'm I'm going to keep saying the word insane because it is. Uh, he should not be this good this quickly. He should not be playing this well. He should not be having this kind of success. It is not normal to watch an NFL team do this, to watch a quarterback do this. And now we're looking up at all of these postseason records, playoff records for quarterbacks, and it's basically Tom Brady played for a very long time and had sustained success throughout his entire career, and Patrick LaVon Mahomes, who has been in this for six years now. Yeah, we... <laughs> it's hard to contextualize, and it's getting to a point, and we've joked all week about this, talking with friends out here, <laughs> just saying they thought the Ravens were going to win, and you know the Chiefs fans are the villains now. We just have to embrace the fact sure. that everyone's going to be rooting against us uh, going forward because of the su- sustained success that we've seen, and you know, embracing just that kind of villain mentality I'm at the point now where I look around the NFL and it's like, we should all be, it's easy for us to say, well, for sure. Yeah, we're we're having this success, yeah. But it's, there's something special about players with the level of talent that Patrick Mahomes gets and putting them in a situation with Andy Reid. Because how many times has it probably, that we would never know about, could a talent be in the wrong situation with the wrong coaching staff and it just never clicks? It, It was the wrong set of people getting together. How lucky are all of us that we get to witness Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and even Travis Kelsey obviously being together it just it doesn't happen like where the stars align and it's benefit for everyone who loves football to watch it yeah this isn't Dan Marino like I, I think yeah. about Dan Marino in a different situation we're talking about him as absolutely you know rings upon rings and you know all those sorts of things Patrick Ma- liked him. yeah I'm t- anyway that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a podcast guys. yeah um you know I we we see it now it is the perfect sync of quarterback, offensive mind, situation, and all of that. But he's also elevating it. He's also taking it to that next level. He's also doing all of that. So, yeah, we witnessing greatness in its prime, people are very quick to identify it and want to place other individuals on top of the pile. Yeah. Call them the next go. Call them the next thing. People wanted... Brock Purdy, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all of these quarterbacks Tua. to to, uh, to displace Patrick Mahomes this year. This was the year. He's ripe for the picking. And here he is again, setting more records, climbing up the postseason charts all time and in another Super Bowl. I think it says something when every team you go against, that opposing quarterback, this is a legacy game for Tua. This yeah. is a legacy game for Josh Allen. This is a legacy game for Lamar Jackson because they're all taking shot at the king. Yeah. And they're missing. Can't get it done. All right. Number three, Travis Kelsey continues 
his prolific postseason career. Kelsey had a standout performance in the AFC Championship game against the Ravens with 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown, helping to punch the club's ticket to their fourth Super Bowl in his career. Started off hot with a 19-yard touchdown reception from Patrick Mahomes, the pair's NFL record 17th postseason touchdown on the opening drive of that game. With his 11 receptions in the game, Kelsey now has 156 career postseason receptions, besting wide receiver Jerry Rice's 151 postseason receptions for the most by any player in NFL postseason history. His 116 yards receiving tonight also mark his eighth postseason game with 100 or more receiving yards, tying him with Rice for the most in NFL postseason history. So he's got something to play for in the Super Bowl. He gets 100 yards against Jerry Rice's former team, one of his form, the former team for Jerry Rice. We'll I, just call him I mean, forever. Jerry Rice, when we were kids, you look at those records, they were untouchable. Like, I think everybody looked at, because he played for so long. You look at his, like, career, the production, regular season records. Yes. Like, there were records that no one is ever. going to touch ever. Ever. I saw something on Mike Evans, and I'm going to butcher this completely, but it's something like Mike Evans could have seven more thousand-yard seasons and still be, like, completely way off. Way base. off. And yeah. he's had 10 straight thousand. I like, know. No one's ever getting near what Jerry Rice did. No. And that's why I laugh when I hear these things, because you're not even comparing Travis Kelsey to tight ends anymore. No. That was... Three, four years ago is here's where he ranks against tight ends. They even have it on here where we're comparing him to, to Jerry Rice because when you look at the most receptions in NFL history for tight ends in the postseason, he has 156. He's the best. Second is Rob Gronkowski with 98. And Gronk played one more game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. More receptions. <laughs> In the postseason, the Rob Gronkowski for second, the second most all time. Yeah, like, I mean, it, and to put game. that in perspective, third is Dallas Clark. With 64. Like, Novacek, Shannon Sharp. He has more than doubled up third place at this point. Jerry Rice's records, in my mind, are untouchable because he played for 20 seasons in the NFL. And all the way up until the end, I know people are going to think about that and be like, oh, what did 40-year-old Jerry Rice do? Go look at the stats sometimes. He was still putting up 1,000-yard seasons. He was still contributing in the postseason. Travis Kelsey taking any of those records is no small feat and yet here he is passing him up in the postseason receptions and i mean it it would take a monster game but a three touchdown game from travis kelsey would tie the receiving touchdowns record for jerry rice i i don't think he's gonna get the yards one i'm not putting anything past any of these guys i know but i I mean another year like uh, we we may be talking about that one too None of those should have ever been attainable by anybody, and it speaks to the postseason success that this team is. I thought he was distracted. Thought he was washed up. Yeah. All these things. He's more focused on his girlfriend. Eleven receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. So pissed. So pissed. All right, let's move on to number four, and that is Rashi Rice keeps climbing. Rashi Rice has had a standout rookie postseason performance again against the Ravens with 46 yards receiving on eight catches and he kept the momentum going with his 46 yards uh, again against the Ravens brings his postseason total to 223 the fourth most in NFL history for a rookie playoff campaign Rice continued to be an after the catch threat as well with 46 yards after the catch against the Ravens is 165 yards after the catch so far this postseason leading the 2023 postseason amongst all players so looking at the nfl not just chiefs nfl record for receiving yards in the postseason for a rookie 
where she raced fourth. Third place is Austin Collie. 241. Yep, 18 yards shy of Austin Collie. Mm-hmm. 19 yards shy of Tori Holt. Yes. And then 145 yards shy of Jamar, Jamar Chase went off. be a hell of a game. That would be a big time. Wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. But really like his chances of getting uh, in the top two. Yes, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, this is a guy that when the Chiefs drafted him, I think that, you know, you even heard... He even heard Brett Veach in his post-game press conference, you know, after the AFC Championship game say, you know, we tried to go up and trade for a wide receiver, but we ended up, you know, fairly happy with what we ended up for. Yeah, you think? You know, fourth all-time amongst rookie receivers in the postseason, you know, coming up here and probably, I I would guess he's probably getting 19 yards receiving in the Super Bowl here. I like his chances at that as well. Number two all-time to Jamar Chase, who had a hell of a postseason. Yeah. You know, that that year that they made their run, that would be an outstanding effort for him. It just speaks to what they've been able to do with him as a receiver, how he's been able to commit himself to the game and develop, and the way that they've been able to get him the ball as they've, you know, kind of modeled the offense around him and Kelsey. And the optimism that we'll have going forward, regardless of what this team does, because this is a rebuilding year. Remember, they're going to make some moves and bring in some guys who can make plays in the regular season, I guess. We... Going through this, we won't have guys like MVS aren't going to be listed, but we talked about him. I know you guys talked about him on the post-game yes. show, raised the glass to him, that Rasheed Rice getting it done and knowing he's going to be on the team. And sounds bad, but from a roster composition, not going to cost you a lot of money. No. For the not, next three years, not, starting to put numbers up like this. Not going to cost you a whole lot of money. You think Brett Veach says the same comment afterwards? This is supposed to be a rebuilding year if they win it again? Just, it says, it just pulls out his old speech for the parade? I think there's a better chance than not, regardless of how this plays out, that the offensive weapons that are on paper going into next season, you'd feel better about than you did going into this season. Yes. Even with all the optimism. For sure. Kadarius Tony and Justin Ross is a big Sky Moore. Sky Moore and all of them. Yes. That they get it done when it matters. Yep. All of them doesn't matter. They're right back there. All right. Let's get to number five. And uh, had a big game. Had a good game here. Isaiah Pacheco kept the ground game going. Behind the blocks of the Chiefs' offensive line, he had a solid day on the ground with 68 rushing yards on 24 attempts and a touchdown. Pacheco punched in the Chiefs' second touchdown run of the game on a two-yard run early in the second quarter, giving the Chiefs a 14-7 lead. Pacheco has now had a rushing touchdown in four consecutive postseason games dating back to the Super Bowl against the Eagles, the second-longest streak in Chiefs' postseason history. His touchdown with his fourth, his touchdown was his fourth postseason rushing touchdown of his career. Third. Third most in franchise history. Yeah. That, you know, eh. you know that, that old. Those aren't, his, and those his, aren't fun stats. In his second, you know, in his second year uh, as a player within this offense, something about uh, young Chiefs running backs showing up when it matters most in the postseason. I, I don't let his performance in this game kind of go under the radar here. I know that the numbers are going to be gaudy. Yards. They were tough yeah, especially yards. My favorite run of his was the last one. Yes. Where he stopped for a gain of, you know, two, three yards, whatever it was, and then drove for another six or seven. Correct. His running style, I think, is perfect for this offense and that gives him a little juice when so much of the juice for the offense is Patrick Mahomes running around and doing for crazy sure. stuff when it comes from other places and just based on pure effort and drive and the willingness to, to get extra yards, um, gets him going as an energy giver. Yeah, absolutely. Would often call these guys. So um, I can't wait till the next section because we get to talk about your favorite thing, and that is... About the defense, and I'm sorry that it took this long for us to get the defense, but that's how we had the outline set up. So we'll talk about the defense, Craig Stout, here on 10 Things right after this. 
we appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to 10 Things here on KC Sports Network. Appreciate you all hanging out, hanging out, hanging out with Craig Stout. Yeah. We get to do talk about your favorite thing. The yes. Winning. Phoenix. Oh, sorry. Uh, the defense. Yes. <laughs> yes. The de- You know what? The defense came in clutch. Yes. I don't know if you knew that or not. But Chiefs defense came in and set the tone early against the Ravens, forcing a three and out on the opening drive. Then in the second quarter, Charles Amenahu took down Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson for a loss of seven yards and forced a fumble. His fumble was recovered by George Karloftis, giving the ball back to the Chiefs' offense at the Baltimore 33-yard line. Omenahu now has three forced fumbles in his postseason career, four-and-a-half postseason sacks for a loss of 28-and-a-half yards. Maybe most importantly, because he did leave this game with an injury that there was James Palmer from NFL Network tweeted out after the game that there's optimism he's going to get an MRI on the knee, but there was optimism, and I believe it was Harold Kuntz, mm-hmm. who tweeted out that Omenahu said he's going to play. Yeah. Well, every player is going to say that in this situation. So, yeah. uh, optimism that he's not just completely saying that it's torn or something could be wrong. But, uh, yeah, they're all going to be excited. He's all going to say he's going to play right now. He's got two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Got two weeks. Seemed very happy holding the AFC Championship trophy, as one does. You know, of course you do. But, you know, he... You speak to energy givers. He is an energy giver on that defensive line. He is just kind of one of those guys that as the season has gone along, as he's gotten more and more reps, as he's become part of the dime defense, he's been such a massive part of their success and why they're able to shut teams down late in the game when they're trying to throw, when they're in these pass-heavy scripts. He gets the tee off, and you saw that. You know, the Ravens gotten themselves into a pass-first situation there. Charles Aminahue comes screaming around the edge after George Karloftis does a good job as well. Gets a strip sack. George Karloftis picks it up. Key pivotal moment of the game right there. Absolutely. And you look at what this defense has done over the past eight games. They have not allowed more than seven points in the second half of their last eight games. I'm going to say that again for effect. The Chiefs' defense has not allowed more than seven points in the second half of their last eight games. Just 32 points total, an average of four points per game as Steve Spagnolo leading the NFL's youngest defense 
and somehow this man was not top five in the assistant coach of the year voting. Don't get me started. You're trying to trigger me. Give me, give me to go off on the specs. It's unacceptable that Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get more respect. Um, I think we're seeing plenty of it after this game. I, I know that there's a lot of people that are saying, I'm never betting against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs again. Patrick Mahomes was great. Don't get me wrong. Not trying to take anything especially away from early. him. Especially early. I'm yeah. not trying to take anything away from him. Steve Spagnuolo closed, the, closed this out. That second half was a masterpiece out of him and these players. Yeah, this is the second postseason game for Steve Spagnuolo that he has allowed one point per drive or less. This postseason, not not all time, this postseason alone, That is, those are elite level numbers. And that second half stat, is exactly the case. That that's you know I I know that our guy Peter Yodrich kind of ha- had looked into some of that before, and so you know we want to shout him out for this. But it is one of those things that when they're referencing it on the broadcast and they're saying, "Well, they're a pretty good you know they're a good second half defense. They're a good no, they're an elite second half defense, yeah. not allowing double digit points at all." Ask the Lions if they'd like a second half defense right now that did not allow double digit points. It's about closing out games in important moments, and that's what Steve Spagnuolo is doing right now. I love the guys wearing the shirt. Then Spags, we trust friends. And I, I love after the game when he's asked about it, and he's just such a total normal no. dude about it. Just like, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing because if we didn't play well, like, what's it? Yeah, it wouldn't have been Yeah, because then my face would have been on the thing. Human just, way to look at it. I know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking at it going, what are you talking about, man? You, you guys were elite. And he's like, yeah, it's a good thing we played well. I was like, man, you played awesome. What are you talking about, Spade? Yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed like when you're watching, it's almost two different games. Because early on, it was just Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. For sure. Crazy plays. And the, the Ravens was still find, playing well. Yeah. But the Ravens finding success on broken plays, mm-hmm. the the busted one, uh, where a couple guys had shots at Lamar Jackson. He made a great play to get out of it. For the sure. other guys on this college, all the ways that you want to say, yeah. guy has a chance, doesn't make a play. Ravens are like, it's because Lamar's awesome. And Chiefs are saying because Leo Chanel didn't make the tackle or Drew Tranquil on another one had a chance and didn't put him down. But uh, let's move on to number seven because now we'll talk about some of the players individually after talking mm-hmm. about the defense as a whole. Uh, two of those guys, LeJarius Need and Trent McDuffie, Combined powers as Legereus Need had two major plays as the Ravens drove down the field to close out the third quarter and to open up the fourth quarter. Sneed was able to stop wide receiver Zay Flowers from scoring after Lamar Jackson connected on a 54-yard pass to punt them at the KC 25-yard line. That's how this is written. You will remember it as the big play in which Zay Flowers did a very Correct. we like Zay. We've talked to Zay. We, we love we Zay. We like Zay. Zay's good uh, dude. But this was a dumb. This was dumb. It was dumb. Uh, the taunting very obvious taunting it wasn't just the one thing he did three things that were all individual taunting you combine them it's an easy call pushed him down spun the ball in his face and kind of flexed over the top of him and as i mentioned uh, on the post game it came on at the end of it there's nothing better especially as a fan and watching your team in that moment get punked a little bit and seeing how are you going to respond are you going to let them do that to you on the road uh if you're the chiefs and legerious need responded yes i mean Big players make big plays in big moments, and that's exactly what this was. Legereus Need all season long, we've talked about him as a lockdown corner, as a first-team All-Pro, which he should have been, and it's criminal that he wasn't. That's also just you know just as much as the Steve Spagnuolo thing that that triggers me as well. We haven't seen him give up many big plays. We haven't seen yeah. him give give up many plays at all, but let alone big plays. And then he has one 
and you're starting to think, oh no, you know, they, they played so well. They were clinging to this. The offense isn't moving the ball. They, they can't let up. We don't need this to, you know, kind of fall apart. And all of a sudden, say Flowers gets a crosser, has space to the end zone, reaches out for it. Legereus Sneed punches it right out, right at the goal line. So close to the goal line that if anybody goes back and watches the postgame, I believe we clipped it and posted it on the KCSN Twitter account there. I had to sit and wait yeah. for the replay because I wasn't certain. Like everybody else was freaking out. I said, I need to see it. And the moment I saw it, just what an outstanding play by Legereus Need continually being one of the Chiefs defensive MVPs. I, it, it, he was incredible today, I, yet again. He's got to get paid. And it's and he should and it's going to be awesome for him. Mm-hmm. Um, saw the video on social media of I think Justin Reed had put it out there. Uh, however many days ago that was, it was his birthday, and his yeah. cake was just like a giant money sign. Yeah, like you're about to get paid. Yes. and then he goes out again in the next biggest game of his career. Um, get the Chiefs back to the Super Bowl makes the play of the game. Sneed finished the day with five tackles and that forced fumble. As Trent McDuffie had one solo tackle and poop two passes defensed. With his fumble recovery and Trent McDuffie, phenomenal. Oh, he was also terrific. Well. Yes, so, absolutely. Let's just stay right there on the second-year players and talk about how great they've been uh, because they have really... I'm going to set this point up because we've talked about Patrick Mahomes entering his prime mm-hmm. and that the reason that the Patriots had the run they did wasn't just because Tom Brady was in his prime. It's because the Patriots nailed like two or three, depending on how you want to look at, drafts in a row. Yes. Where they had young guys that were contributing so they could pay Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars, but also have the money to to spend elsewhere and be smart about it with guys like Drew Tranquil and Mike Edwards and Charles Amenehu and all these moves that Brett Veach has made that have worked. The draft class last year is what the foundation of this run that we're on right now, in my opinion, of guys like Trent McDuffie and the next guy we're about to talk about and George Karloftis having another one of the biggest plays in this game because in the second quarter after Charles I mean who got the strip sack of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson Karloftis recovered the fumble it was Karloftis's first postseason fumble recovery on what would be the Ravens final drive Karloftis got the Chiefs fourth sack of the day he brought down Jackson on a four-yard loss brings his total to two and a half sacks this postseason three and a half in his postseason career Karloftis ended the day tallying four tackles a sack fumble recovery and a quarterback pressure to help pave the way for the Chiefs' 17-10 victory. Stepping up in the postseason after leading the Chiefs in sacks this season and being, I believe, top three in franchise history for number of sacks from this defense, these young guys are getting it. They absolutely are. And when you hit on a draft class, George Karloftis, terrific draft pick. Trent McDuffie, terrific draft pick. The depth there, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, I don't want to leave them out as well, also had terrific games as well. There are lots of other guys. I don't want to leave anybody out. So if I have, you know, trust me, I'm not trying to slight your favorite player here, but they have nailed so many of these things that it's given them the grace to take a draft class like the last one that they did. I know that there's lots yeah. of discussion about the Chiefs' first-round draft pick from this last class. They healthy, needed healthy, healthy scratch. scratch. Yes, no. they needed to give him time to grow into what his role was going to be in the NFL. And sure, he could play right now. We would be seeing a lot of growing pains. We would be seeing a lot of that. You get to take chances on guys with super high ceilings because you built the foundation through previous draft classes. You built the ability to take those swings because if they're misses, they're not crushing you. You know, the other GMs don't have this luxury. 
And so when you take a guy like Rasheed Rice and you say, boy, we hope he develops, and then he does, you get to do this again with other classes and other things like that. So it's smart drafting and taking those cuts, taking those swings. George Karloftis gives them the ability to take a Felix and a Duque Osama and say, buddy, take a year. We believe in you. Yeah. We think you're going to be a top flight pass rusher, but we know you need a little seasoning. Just take the year. We'll, yeah. we'll get back to you next year. No big deal. That is a, a luxury tons of teams don't have. I could be wrong on this, and I'm sure I'll get reminded quickly, but I want to know how many late round, first round picks have had as many sacks as George Karloftis. And it's first TJ Watt, picks. and it's basically, and, and then it was a large gap. It was TJ Watt drafted around this same pick, uh, okay. pick 28 ish area. Okay. I thought and, it was a little bit higher. Uh, I mean, Tucker. Either way. Yeah. Either way, it was, back, way. It was late 20s or the 30s there. Point being, guys don't have the kind of production that George right. Karloftis is having. Period. Well, and it's impressive what they were able to do getting a talent to, to get production like that where the Chiefs are picking in the draft. You have to take some swings on some guys because mm-hmm. if you were looking for a guy who's completely polished as a pass rusher who's going to step in and make an immediate impact, you're not drafting that guy at 32. You're no. getting the fifth, sixth, seventh edge rusher defensive end in a lot of cases. And with George Karloftis, it was development. They got it figured out with Felix. It's 30. Pick 30. 30 that TJ Watt was taking. Point yeah. being... There are guys like an Alden Smith, a TJ Watt. They are few and far between. George Karloftis is definitely in. I mean, I'm not putting him in the TJ Watt tier yet. No, no. But he is in the very next tier of the guys that are drafted in that range. I did a st- I did a study a while back. I need to go back and update it because I'd be very curious. It may be off-season project here. KCSA, go. keep an eye on it, but... The number of pass rushers at the time, I was looking for guys that had 24 uh, sacks in their rookie contract, and I found it was less than like 15 percent of guys. Like it is such a small number of guys that are able to accumulate that many sacks in their rookie contract. George Karloftis is well on pace for that. Well, well, well on pace for that. So he is way ahead of the curve of what you expect not just for a late first-round pass rusher, but any first-round pass rusher. That's impressive. Yeah, I believe Ken Swanson on the screen said that that was the best rush of George Karloftis' career. I mean, watched it live. It was up there. I mean, it, it really was up there. It was a terrific one. Yeah. All right. Another impactful play. Number nine, Dion Bush with the intercept. It was fun because of the conversation you and I yeah. had the car this morning. But Dion Bush helped close the game out with an interception in the end zone of Lamar Jackson. So he was looking for Isaiah Likely. There's mm. three defenders back there. Yeah, 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 good throw. The yeah. in- interception gave the ball back to the Chiefs who were able to close out the day with a 17-10 victory. Interception was the first of Bush's postseason career. It is nice to have safety depth, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I remember not too long ago, Tyra Matthew goes down in a game and the Chiefs defense is broken. Now, granted, Ty- Tyra Matthew meant a ton to this defense, but the ability to have a guy, a playmaker like Mike Edwards, go down, have to miss some time in this game, and then to have to rely on a Deion Bush to come in and play significant snaps, it is a monster thing for this team to be able to lean on your depth in that way and then to have him come up with a massive play at the end of the game. Terrible throw. Shouldn't have thrown it into triple coverage. But guess what? Deion Bush was coming up with that pick. He caught it. He caught it. I mean, no, no, Deion Bush undercut it. It was coming. Like, it didn't matter. It didn't have to be another defender around. Dion Bush was coming up with that interception. 
That's the biggest play of Dion Bush's career. Absolutely. And that's all. Awesome. He's got thousand percent. Yeah. He's going to go make another one at Super Bowl. All right. Oh, I love it. Number 10. Calling your shot. Can't believe it took this long to get to this dude because he was all the over the anchor. We're calling it the anchor. Number 10. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. All right. Justin Reed flew around on the back end, but one of his biggest plays came in the backfield with the Ravens in Kansas City territory on the 41-yard line and facing a third and nine. Reed got home on an eight-yard sack of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, forcing the punt. The sack was the first playoff sack of Reed's career, and Reed contributed to a total of four tackles, three of which were solo, a sack, quarterback hit, and a tackle for loss. That doesn't do justice <laughs> to the impact that that man made. I don't care what that says. That dude was everywhere. He was in the middle of this shit talking. Whenever it was going down on that side of the football, he was making plays all over the field. And I'm sorry, bigger point here about, we talk about the Chiefs defense and how good they've been. They were a top three defense all season. They have been dominant in the playoffs again, facing the AFC's number one, number two, and number three ranked offenses in the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Ravens, both in terms of yards per game and points per game. Those three teams averaged 28 points per game. Then they faced Justin Reed, Steve Spagnuolo and company, and they've averaged 13 points per game. We talked about the dominance in the second half. But they're also the youngest defense in the NFL. So the veterans you do have that are starting, especially the defensive backs and the safeties with as much as they like to yep. move those guys around. I don't have to tell you that you know more than I do. Justin Reed being a leader on that team, I don't care what the box score ever says. You just know based on the defense that they have and the success that they have that that guy has to be a leader in that locker room. I really like that this is the final point, the 10th point here, because we've talked about a lot of greatness here, a lot of great performances on the day. And I know Maddie said this on the post game. I want to repeat what he said. Justin Reed was the best football player on the field tonight. He just, he was, period. He was everywhere. He was making plays everywhere. He was terrific in coverage. He was terrific against the run. He was terrific as a blitzer. He was a tone setter. He was the reason why this Chiefs defense in the middle of the second half did not fold. He is a leader out there. So is Nick Bolton. So is Chris Jones. Not taking away anything from them. He is the vocal leader on this defense and the guy that guides and shapes the way that they go. And what we have seen over the end of this, we, we talk all the time about Steve Spagnuolo and tailoring. You know, you, you want to be peaking at the right time. You want to be really the arrow pointing up once you get to the postseason. You want to talk about a guy that exemplified that this year? That was Justin Reed. He was good throughout the season. He has been terrific in the postseason and terrific to close out the year. And he, this was a masterclass by yeah. him. It really was. He was everywhere today. You know what I didn't think about until you just said that is that we had used, we used to say never judge a Spags defense before Halloween because they spend the first few weeks just figuring things out. And then all like struggling and then all of a sudden it clicks. They were so good early this year that it was like, well, what's going to happen now? How can they go up? I mean, what? They're top three. What are they going to do? Not give them more than a touchdown. Be an elite playoff defense, even more so than they already are. As it turns out, yes, it gets better. And so that's, he has been the cog in all of this. One of the key components in crafting this defense the way that it is. They don't win this football game without that performance. There, a lot of guys, not uh, not just him, but he is just the one that sticks out the most because of how well he played. And you got to see one of the first guys that Steve Spagnuolo goes over to is Justin Reed. I mean, we've seen him do that with a lot of guys, 
that were very important to this defense that will go down in Kansas City Chiefs lore. Tyra Matthew, Frank Clark, like those guys that he has singled out. Justin Reed's one of those guys. I know there are some people that don't want to admit it, that don't want to admit how good he's been, but that's the level that he has been in Steve Spagnuolo's best Kansas City defense and one of the reasons why they are here in the Super Bowl now. That is one of the reasons that you listen to KC Sports Network because Craig's out right there. We appreciate everybody for listening as we went through. We called 10 things. We, there were a lot more than 10 things that we just talked about, but we appreciate you for listening, and we appreciate the fact that you know that Only Weird Games is coming up on Monday. Those guys will be going live around 4.30-ish. Time between 4.30-ish. Five. Let's, if you listen, you know. Uh, and then the KC Lab. Those guys will be going live on the YouTube channel Monday night. You can check out all the shows on the audio, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google Play. You can find the podcast in all different places. We appreciate your support. And we appreciate the fact that we've got two more weeks to talk about Kansas City Chiefs football as they get ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers and try and make more history that we would love to chat about. Appreciate your support. Take care. Be kind. For Craig Stout, I'm BJ Kissel. We'll see you next time.